Oh. Theme song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's your theme song? I called a friend on this one. Jared Stretch. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was told him I'd give him a shout-out on it. I said I'd just be honest that... Uh, he said he came back with an immediate response of pinball wizard from the nice room. that might be the best one yes for our podcast listeners if you can picture um ricky vaughn from major league just going back one episode here mm -hmm. and put him into a fast pitch game softball in high school oh, we're in a blue field box that's your strength you went to high school with him eh? absolutely so yeah. pinball wizard. Pinball wizard. That's a good jam. Why? Why that one? He said I'm the wizard. Oh. It's a good nickname too. Well, it's not really my nickname, <laughs> but he said that uh it's suited me since I was a young kid. Pinball wizard. Nice. I started working with Jared when I was fourteen years old. Wow. And Ladies and gentlemen, you listen to Synergy Stories. Travis McIsaac in studio. This is Studio B, Robert. Uh, we're it's privileged better. to have... This one's better than I I think it's a better studio. Yeah. Um, Robert Wickstrom in studio. Welcome. Good day. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah. Still um, not really sure why you guys invited me. I think we're going to bump it over the thousand uh, listens or downloads. I assume that's listens. We don't really know. I don't know. Not important. No. Um, Process. For those of you wondering about last uh, show, Rob Cameron won the t-shirt. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we didn't have an XL. <laughs> so we're going to order that. Rob Cameron won the trivia, and perhaps we might drop another one this week if, if something pops up. And shout out to OB as well. Great, Rob. Yeah. Good input. Yeah, great input. Some ideas. Going forward. He's requesting guests. Yeah, we like that. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's very appreciative. Yeah. Robert Wickstrom. Now, why call Jared Stretch? <laughs> I knew he'd have a, like a snap answer. Huh. I was down to the wire. I was, I was struggling for one. I'm not a big music guy. So I was like struggling through it. I couldn't find anything. I was like, you know what? I'm going to message Jared and, and give him the alley-oop. And he came back with this answer right away and i was like yeah. i'm going with it it's a good it's a good song it's way better than if you went to like the top 20 chart and picked and just googled it googled one of them or i was getting to those like that would be terrible wouldn't be good because you know what i i don't think they favor country music i don't favor country I think, music yeah, either. i think there's an anti-bias yeah. not a country music yeah either. we outnumber you two to one yeah 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 so are you, this isn't on my official list of questions. If you're not a music guy, are you, are you a podcast guy? Do you I've listen? been trying to do more yeah. podcasts and I'm slowly getting in the habit, but yeah. I'm just like, I'm more of a go on Spotify and hit a playlist gotcha. and, and I like don't analyze the music, whatever yeah. works. I'll hit skip if I don't like it gotcha. and I don't know the names of songs. I don't know who sings the songs, but I might like the song. Yeah. If I like it, I'll add it to a playlist of my own. You like having something on. Sure. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. It's definitely motivating, but I'm not like, don't get deep into the music. Right, yeah. You a reader? No, not. But I did just start reading a book. Stu McGill's The Back Mechanic. Oh, yeah. 
not far into it, but I got that from listening to a podcast. Yeah. Kelly Starrett and yeah. Stu McGill. So I am trying to, well, the last year has been hectic. So now yeah. I'm trying to take some time to educate myself again and get into some habits of that stuff. Nice. But yeah, I don't seem to revert to reading as when I, when I have spare time. You probably don't have a lot of spare time. Not always. And I'd say I'm a more visual or auditory right. than a reader. So I right. think I retain the information a lot better if I listen or watch than read it myself. When you watch stuff, is there something you're looking for? Or do you... Do you know what I mean? Like, Or do you just watch something to enjoy it? Or do you lean towards stuff that you watch that you can learn from? Or... Not Both. That yeah. Sometimes just something mindless to get yeah. my head away from the rest of the day and sometimes to learn. Yeah. Sometimes I just <laughs> follow whatever YouTube recommends to me. Wow. That's a rabbit hole. Well, not always because yeah. it can really, uh, it can funnel in on the good stuff yeah. for you if you're They have good quite an it. algorithm. Do you guys always, <clears throat> when I go on YouTube and I follow their things, it always seems to lead me back to John Denver. <laughs> well, Does that happen for you guys? No. No John Denver no on John my YouTube. No. Normally cycling related stuff. I like John Denver, but I don't know if I've ever searched him on YouTube. No. Now it's going to show up on my YouTube because we talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because... That's time to get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, on, on Apple Music, it shows like what you've been... Like your friends can see what you've listened to recently. And mine is all oh, like Earth. ACDC, Dropkick Murphys... Dire Strait. Basically, all the theme songs <laughs> our guests have been providing. Dude, now the who is going to show up. That you're getting like, fired up. Like, this guy's listened a long way to the top on repeat. <laughs> I didn't, but it looks like I did. Uh, so, Robert Wickstrom. Biker. Bike enthusiast. Cyclist. Cyclist. Not a gang. Um, personal trainer. Or not personal trainer, physiotherapist, PT, first thought. And now owner, Symmetrics Health, so I'd say would put you in the business owner, entrepreneur category. Um, what drew you to per... Jeez. Uh, we going to be able to edit this? No. No, no edits. No edits. Uncomfortable. Physiotherapy. What, what led you there? Was it a mix of um, sports or what are the... Let's, let's ask you this. Any other sports other than biking in the younger years? When I grew up, we just played sports. Like, I didn't really grow up playing organized sports. Played a little bit of baseball, played some basketball in junior high school. Obviously, being five foot seven, you can only make it so far. Mm -hmm. But we'd play street hockey for like eight hours a day. We'd go up to the school throw a baseball around, football around, whatever. So it kind of grew up in that era where you actually just played. It wasn't organized, whereas now I find it's all more organized. Then I was probably 13 or 14, I got into cycling. And then it would have led to organized cycling, and then I kind of got pushed away from organized cycling. And then when I was 16, I had a crash, and I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus, and then I ended up in physio. So that was summer of grade 11 going into grade 12. And I have to give a shout out to Rita Holland. She was the one, first physio I met. Wow. 
and which is now interesting because she's married to a good friend of mine, Jack McDonald, who good I ride book. with. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Fun Sergeant fact. Hightower is what we nickname him. <laughs> Fun fact, maid of honor in our wedding, too. I knew that. That's a good nickname. Yes. And we... That's a great nickname. Yeah, That's so a good we worked, we worked together on the knee, and then I probably didn't have the smoothest path through healthcare, and then misdiagnosed by the doctor and then re-injured and so it's kind of in the system a little bit long and then I was like geez I kind of got to figure out what I'm going to do in school next year and so I was like I'm going to go to school and set myself up so I can apply to physio school and then kind of worked out that way. Um, where'd you go to school? Did my undergrad in bio at UPEI and then I did my master's in physio at Dow. Gotcha. Do they still limit how many... Because they had a limit on island kids that could go into the physio program. Yeah, I believe it's two island students. Yeah. I think there's like 54 spots at Dow. Yeah. And then there's like some discretionary seats at the end. Right. So gotcha. It's fairly competitive to get into now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just quickly, Rob. When you say you got pushed away from competitive cycling, or organized cycling, pardon me, was that like your choice or was that more you were directed into something else my choice okay i think i do really well with things when i have fun Mm -hmm. but it was getting too structured at that age and i was just like i wanted to have fun instead of like going on these organized rides so it kind of pushed me away i still stayed with the sport yeah but i didn't i didn't really race and then i kind of came back to it after after I tore my ACL and I was like now I gotta ride this bike again so like I I was road biking and mountain biking then I kind of transitioned fully into more like BMX and then I came back to the road and mountain bike as more of kind of like a rehab and fitness thing and then still did that all the way through school but then kind of as school ended like physio school ended then I was like oh I have some free time again I can take this a little bit more seriously and then the scene had kind of ramped up here yeah. a bit more too. So there was like just a handful of guys here that we can, you know, race and ride and have some more fun. And now I have the time to kind of focus on it. So yeah. that's kind of pushed me back into it the last kind of seven or eight years mm-hmm. a little bit more seriously. Yeah. As serious as you can be while working. And, and you're not getting paid to no, ride the bike. No, I've probably made like 125 bucks career earnings nice. cycling. Doesn't pay the bills pays the gas money to the to the race maybe that's right yeah so why biking what's your favorite thing i think it was just what we used to get around as kids like Mm -hmm. you hopped on a bike and you ripped down to a friend's house and then like then you'd go down to victoria park and rip through the woods and then you'd start building jumps and then you're like this is kind of fun and then when i was younger it was actually really popular so I think it just, then I kind of got the job at Smooth Cycle as a kid. And then, then you're just like, you're in the system. Yeah, It's just like your life, like the guys you work with or who you bike with and ride with. And it's just like, you go to work with them. You talk about bikes, you work on bikes and you go ride bikes. And it just kind of stuck with me. It just kind of worked for me. Would the, the lack of like, just cause you, you talked about doing it as a kid would the, I guess, lack of barrier to entry play a part there? Like, there was no 
you know, there's not that grand equipment cost or, you know, hockey's expensive, football's yeah. expensive. Yeah, I think I just had some other friends doing it. Yeah. And so I just kind of followed. Yeah. And, yeah, I never really did the organized sports thing, so I guess I probably needed some sort of outlet. Right. But, like, as a kid, a bike is freedom. Yeah. So it allowed us to go have fun you were allowed to do that then. You mm-hmm. could just rip around, and there was no cell phones. You could get far away. Your parents didn't know where you were, and you could you could do fun things. And so it just kind of ended up being my kind of mode of transport and fun and fitness. And what about now? Is there still like a sense of freedom in hopping on a bike? And yeah, it's yeah. I love being in the woods, and yeah. like you can just forget about the rest of the day yeah you're getting you know exercise in but you're also working on your mental health and Mm. like you can just it's nice to just be away from the noise and like you can stop you stop have a drink of water and you can't hear anything but just the woods so it's that's a huge huge part of it and then it's also a really nice thing when you get to travel you get to see a lot of cool places and, and get to cool cool places that you wouldn't get on foot right. you can travel a lot more distance and but yeah it's a good way like it's it's fun it's good exercise it also I was kind of lucky that my sport was cycling because I was still able to go back to it after yeah. my injury I wasn't trying to like return to soccer or hockey right. which maybe would have been a little bit more problematic so mm-hmm. I just kind of was like well this biking thing's going to be my thing because yeah. it it works for for my body and so I'm able to to do it without any restrictions so I've just kind of stuck with it nice so going back to <clears throat> Jared stretch and you've mentioned a couple times about working at smooth cycle as a kid what kind of an impact did that have on you not only in your kind of appreciation of, of whether it be mountain biking or road cycling but also did that influence you, you think, to this day, getting into running your own physio clinic? Yeah, for sure. So, like, there's a really young group of us there, but I think if you look back in time, like, we had kind of an all-star team for a few years. There was, like, five or six of us. All of us are still, like, really good friends to this day. We go on trips yearly, and, like, we were young. Like, we were in high school, university, and we were, like, running the shop, like, like I was managing the shop while going to university and I was like, you know, 18, 19 years old, a growing business. And so we were involved, all of us. And I worked there year round because some of the other guys went away. So you definitely see kind of the business side of things and you're involved in the business side of things. And it's a small business. So you learn how and where to make your margins and how things have to run smoothly. So think I had a little bit of a knack for that and I kind of liked the freedom of having some control and being in charge a bit so I I think before I went to physio school like I always had kind of planned or could see myself having my own clinic mm-hmm. and that experience kind of I guess looking back prepared you to run your own business more or less if you were yeah, it was a good experience. A university kid, you know, running a shop. I couldn't have ran a shop in university. But clearly it was something that you succeeded at. Did that kind of solidify your desire to one day 
own your own business or maybe not own your own business, but have some sort of control over your scheduling and, and what you're going to do? Yeah, I think at the time I just was just working at the shop and like the group of us was close and I would say that I was like quite loyal to the shop and I had been good to Jared and he'd been good to me. So I was pretty invested in trying to help yeah. him as much as he could. And I don't think I was thinking that far ahead. I was more like, you know, he's helping me. I'm helping myself get through school Yeah. and I'll get through school, get to physio school. Like that was my prize at the time. And this yeah. was something that would happen, happen Lame. later. Yeah. So it wasn't a, a main focus. It yeah. was more like get the undergrad done, get the master's done. Yeah worry about the rest later gotcha um your physio philosophy i guess you guys seem to be very much um you put the onus on the patient i guess for yeah. lack of yes you know rather than quote unquote fixing them and sending them on their way um you want them to be an active participant in the recovery maybe just speak to that a little bit yeah so I guess my philosophy or view on physio would be movement first yeah. like I'm trying to promote movement so sometimes I think of myself as more being a coach for that person yeah. so I'm kind of trying to guide them or coach them through this process so mm -hmm. the main things I'm doing is yes I'm accept, like assessing diagnosing yeah. treating but I'm trying to like educate them and then give them tools that they can take home to work on this and prevent right. this from coming back versus just saying like, my knee's sore, let's yeah. make my knee feel better. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, I really kind of avoid talking about pain or focusing on pain because then mm -hmm. I think they focus on pain. So if they come in and, you know, you can let them have a laugh and teach them how to move, they're going to carry that stuff to life yeah. a little bit more than if I just make their knee feel better. So that doesn't work for everybody because yeah. they come in and they say like, you haven't even touched my knee. I'm like, well, this will make your knee feel better for right. a lot longer. And you know, maybe that's a poor business model because they don't come they don't as much because yeah. you, you, yeah. you fix them and yeah. then you leave them be and you give them the tools. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the way it should be. It's yeah. not like not a band aid. you know, I'm not putting band-aids on things. I'm trying to give them skills that they can carry on into the rest of their life, whether it's teaching them how to squat, right. meaning getting in and off the toilet, mm -hmm. in and out of a chair, or bending forward, you know, doing a deadlift, you yeah. know, and, and sometimes you just have to break it down and explain that to them, because they're like, oh, I'd never do a squat, and you're like, well, yeah, you yeah. just did it, yeah. you know, and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, did you go to the bathroom today? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, that was a squat, so we need to do that right, mm -hmm. and sometimes if you can just you know, the big thing for me is trying to, I try to teach people what things or habits are irritating their symptoms yeah. and then teach them how they can remove it or, or address it or be more aware of it. So, you know, that might be a way they stand or the way they sit or sleep or walk. And if you can address those little things, it can make a much bigger impact than just, you know, doing a specific treatment and then not addressing those things mm -hmm. and then it just keeps coming back and it's just circular so they're a lot happier in the end if you yeah. can address those things or they they at least take that home and how how hard is it because a lot of those things are so habitual like you know walking sleeping i mean is you know yeah i mean i always tell people that you're not going to change it for eight hours a day mm -hmm. the first night if you 
decrease it by one hour, yeah. then that's one less hour that that tissue or that structure was irritated or, or stressed. And, you know, maybe it can tolerate four hours yeah. improperly in quotation marks, right. but it can't take eight. So it's more like trying to limit that time that you're you're doing something. So people buy in once they, they start yeah. to feel it or see it, and then they'll catch themselves. Yeah. So if you catch yourself, you're not spending that time right. in that position. position. Or, so. And that's that seems to be something that, you know, not just yourself, but your whole team at Symmetrics, you know, I've talked about this with Scott before as well, um, you know, preventative care, really, rather yeah. than reactive. Primary versus secondary. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Which, as humans, we're quite poor at primary prevention. Normally, yeah. we'll wait for something to happen at least once yeah. or twice, and then... We're like, oh, we got to take care of this. Yeah. Like, well, you got a pretty good hole to dig yourself out of. So, when we were picking our team, we we're definitely strategic mm -hmm. on fit. Like, fit's huge for us. Yeah. So, talk a little bit about the team at Symmetrics. The growing team. Yeah. <laughs> so we just passed the one year anniversary on January second. We should have a party. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, we didn't even have a cake. Yeah. One year. Wow. Yeah. But only in this facility since March. 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 Yeah. yeah. So it was a, an eventful year. And on top of <laughs> it being an eventful year, opening a business, <laughs> building a practice, growing a practice, we hired a couple new people and finally moved into this building. And we're finally, the dust is settled. And yeah, we have a great team. We have a good mix of kind of a couple veterans with like Scott who's a massage therapist, and Dr. Dover, who's a Cairo, and then Jerry and I graduated high school together, and he's an osteopath, and I'm a physio, and then we have a couple new young guns, and Emily's our new physio resident, and then Dr. Jordan Biot, who's a new Cairo as well, and she's really kind of finding her own way, and, and everyone's kind of got their own style, but we kind of blend mm -hmm. together and work together and use each other's strengths um, to make it kind of one whole comprehensive facility and then you know using you guys as well just a lot of referral like yeah. chris and i have pretty much daily chats they're not always all about clients or patients but we were texting last night yeah. i wanted him to come up and talk to me about someone he's not here so Text he's them. got new workouts on there today. Yeah, he's not going to be very happy, I don't think. Some, happy, some heavy front squats. <laughs> and some split squats. Some split nice. Squats. Yeah. But I think that, you know, the whole moving here, part of it was having this kind of whole fully integrated building. Mm -hmm. And communication's a big issue in, in the healthcare system. And I think that we can provide better care when we have this set up. And so... Yes, I wanted to have my own clinic eventually, but I yeah. think ultimately I wanted to be able to provide good care, and we can't do that all on our own because yeah. there's there's cost barriers to come to physio mm -hmm. and time barriers. So if I can, you know, get someone to a point where I teach them the fundamentals and then allow you guys to build the strength over mm -hmm. those patterns that I've corrected, then the people who commit to that are going to be successful. Yeah. And that's vice versa too. Like oh, yeah. we can, you know, we can make recommendations and mobility work and things like that but eventually some people they need to go to physio or yeah. they need to go to Cairo um, quickly Rob you talked about how fit is really important 
Um, how hard is that? Like if you're hiring, which you guys have done a lot of this year, how hard is it to, to find fit? Like is it something where you, you kind of quiz them on their viewpoints or their mindset or is it something where you almost have to trust your gut? Do you know what I mean? Like how? Well, I think we've been kind of lucky because the people we've been approached by are looking for that right. that style. And then, you know, just with talking with them, you can kind of see what their interests are. Yeah. And then when you get them young, like out of school, they're definitely more moldable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you teach them things that work, then they're going to continue to use those things yeah. as work because it's been the most efficient thing that they've done with their kind of limited amount of patient care mm-hmm. so you know it's not like we're huge up there yeah. and you know some people are more hands-on in the clinic which is more beneficial for me because it allows me to do what I want or treat the way I want yeah. so we can kind of cover everything so not everyone's up there doing the same stuff but it all kind of works together yeah. it's like a puzzle so, yeah, yeah pieces of the puzzle yeah so when you think is symmetrics a couple of years down the road, what are a couple of things that you hope not only it looks like, but what people say about Symmetrics Health? just want them... I'd like people to think of us as a team. Like, I don't want it to be, you know, eight different practitioners. I want them to think of, like, you know what, I'm going to go to Jerry for this, or I'm going to go to Jordan for that, or I'm going to go to Robert for that, and just know that we'll work together or even if it's like they're going to come into me and I'm going to be like you know what you need to go down and see Chris and Travis where mm-hmm. that's happened too or you know or it might be you know some other facility too and it's nice to have those like personal trainers that you can trust so I think I just want it to be more integrated like I want people to think of it as being a multidisciplinary kind of clinic where we actually do work together instead of people showing up and being like Oh, I'm just going to the Cairo. I can't go to the physio if I'm going to the Cairo. It's like, no, like you can do both and just iron out the kinks. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still kinks. The dust is still settling. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Parking lot being paved. That was a good start. Walls were a good start. Heat was helpful. We got that fixed? Jordan, Jordan is in the tropics right now. The tropics. It's still down. It's 23 degrees in there when I left. Could versus be worse. 26. It was 26 Could last be worse. year. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's unfortunate. It's never that hot down where we are. No. 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 But it's 35 in the hallways. Yep. It's quite warm. That We, we do it that way. It's a bit of a contrast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hot cold. So... Influential people. We we named Jared Stretch. This he's probably got as many name drops now on this yeah. podcast than we've had yet. John Cusack. John Cusack has now names been dropped four out of five. Well, Cole didn't mention him, and I well I guess we just named. Did we mention him? him in, and I don't know who he is. So played left field in the famous um, New Haven Riverdale. Okay. Not not in major league. Jared Stretch played first base and that's. Anyway, influencers. I wouldn't say I have any, like, less individual and more. I have a pretty strong group of people, mostly from cycling. But we have a pretty diverse group, and you know quite a few of them now. But we have people that are, 
in healthcare and train and ride like they're at a professional level, even though they have lots of other stuff on the go. And then we have ex-pro cyclists, contractors, retail, farmers. We kind of have it all, so it's good because you can kind of pick and draw from different people, different ages too. Like some of the guys are younger and some of the guys are, you know, in their mid to late 50s. So I think I've been lucky that way because I've been surrounded by a lot of really good people and helpful people. And the nice thing about biking is it's pretty social. You can be out on like a three-hour ride Mm -hmm. together and you can share a lot of knowledge or, you know, a lot of stories that way. And, you know, then there's road trips spend a lot of time where you know you get that in hockey too or a lot of time on the bus but you know you go on a bike trip together and you spend a week with those same three or four people and you can learn a lot about them and you know some of them are in business and some of them aren't but i would say that i've just kind of surrounded myself with a lot of people that way Mm -hmm. no specific people that i've really kind of looked at Hmm. so what role does courtney play Courtney, for those of you who don't know, is uh, one of our featured athletes on our website. Yeah, it's good. It's a good photo. Mountain bike. Yeah. She runs the show. She is the glue. Okay. She makes sure that I keep my head on straight. We train together Mm. often. We like. She trains hard. She trains hard. Yeah. Yeah. Harder than me. Some of my motivation is just to make sure I can continue to keep up or stay ahead of her, which is that gap is closing. So she does a lot at home, especially the last like year and a half. She takes care of most of the food. Um, she makes sure that I eat decent. Without her, <laughs> I'd probably eat a, a lot worse. Um, yeah, she. we're both pretty calm by nature. Yeah. And so we don't really get under our skin at all, but she runs the show. Like, she is the glue. She's been really awesome the last, like, year and a half, two years since we've been doing this. And I've had a few meltdowns, and she's been able to, to calm me down and, and just give me my space when I need it. But, yeah, she's, you know, she helps out in the clinic a little bit, and she definitely helps out at home. And, and we bike together, and we ride together, and we hang out together. But shout out to... CP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so do you think it's really helpful that that she's also in what you would say the health field? Yeah. That she we, can relate more or do you, you know? Yeah. I mean, we have the same degree on the wall, but we have the most different jobs that you could possibly have. Like she could do my job, but I couldn't do hers. Um, but it is helpful because obviously we have similar interests that way and probably similar minds. Like you have to kind of have a problem solving mind and you have to be task oriented. So I think we, we work around the house, we divide and conquer. Um, and what does she do, Rob? She's a physio as well. Okay. But so she does cardiac and pulmonary rehab. Right. So she works with Tanya. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they, they, t- they chat the odd time. Tanya's usually in the morning though, but yeah. Um, yeah, she seems pretty even keeled. Yes. Um, last one for me. How do your habits influence your hobbies and vice versa? Oh, that's a good one. My habits influence my hobbies. That's a good one. Proud of this. That's one. a ringer. I'm proud of this. 
I you, mean, take, you take a moment. Yeah. Take a moment. <laughs> this wasn't I, on the list. I'm still driving. This my wasn't on the My habits influence my It wasn't hobbies. on the, the approved question list. Yeah. It's no. throwing me. I went off, I warned him on, off yeah. the board. <laughs> I mean, I would say that I'm a pretty routine individual, and cycling is routine and repetitive mm-hmm. as well. So um, my biggest habits would be like I'm – I like consistency mm-hmm. and reliability and like cycling brings that for me for the most part. Like most of my cycling is for fun. Yeah. A small portion of it is competitive, but even the competitive, it's more that I'm like supporting the cycling scene versus right. like, I'm not out there expecting big things. To like win. I yeah. know at 32 years old, my, my ceiling's pretty low, but you know what? My habits. I guess that was probably the main one I was thinking of was, you know, you're in the health field. Yeah, so I mean, I... And, you know, you're, one of your biggest hobbies, clearly, is cycling. Yeah, you know, so you, I mean, a big thing for me is, like, I use my cycling in different ways. Like, mm-hmm. one, it's for... Probably first is health and mm-hmm. fitness. And then two is fun and then three is it's a huge like decompressor yeah and four it's an awesome excuse to go places and see new places and um so i mean it's kind of like i don't even know if it's like a hobby or a habit as more as it's just like part of my my life life. yeah Yeah. so it just kind of like i don't really think about it you know you just it's kind of like what you do every day like i I ride five, six days a week, and if I could ride eight, nine times a week, I probably would. Um, it's different in the winter because then yeah. you look at it a little bit more like training, and yeah. then going back to me liking fun, I do better with the fun. So I would never once drag my heels when we're going for a ride at six o'clock at the trail, but when I tell myself I got to be on the trainer by six o'clock, right. then you'll find excuses. Um, so it's a little bit different, but I know that the habit of being on the trainer and being in the gym here makes that short window of time outside a lot more enjoyable or less chance of getting injured Mm -hmm. but it's mostly it's a lifestyle thing for me now it's like you know I get home and I'm gonna read things about bikes I'm gonna watch thing about bikes I'm gonna you know whether it's you know training for bike related stuff or whether it's you know tech tech stuff regarding bikes Um, so it's just part of my lifestyle um you kind of listed a myriad of reasons for why you bike i was curious is there any like environmental consideration there especially with like growing awareness about you know air pollution and carbon emissions i mean i think it's a bonus yeah but it's not like one of my primary reasons but like i do when the weather allows like i'm biking here every day right and i mean we live like 2k away from here so it's the easiest mode of transport but yeah i wouldn't say that i focus on it right and actually from the environmental part it's like a lot of the stuff we have isn't that environmentally friendly like you break it you wear it out yeah i've read some stuff on carbon fiber and it's not the best for the environment but you know it probably does decrease our carbon footprint a little bit for sure but more more health. Yeah, that's kind of what I was I was curious is you know, you're right. It's definitely a 
bonus. Like if you're someone who was biking to work pretty consistently. Yeah. And, but I find that it's just a good way to start your day and end your yeah. day. It, yeah. It winds you up and then cools you down. Yeah. So you're not taking work home with you. Yeah. Great. Just gonna circle back to the to the physio one more time here. If we have someone who's listening and who says, "Okay, I have an injury and it's a bit of a daunting process," or I've, I've suffered a serious injury, is there something that specifically gives those people a better chance of a really good recovery? So, for example, someone comes in and and you're assessing them the first day. Are there things that you can recognize that, okay, this recovery is going to go well, whether it's psychological or... Their mindset, mm-hmm. like their readiness. If they're ready and willing to put in the work. If they come in and, you know, they're not ready to put in the work, like consistency, like you need to show up and do the work like you can't just show up to your appointment and then leave and not do anything like you need to be ready to do homework so I'd say a lot of it's like what mental status they're at as far as like commitment level if they're committed then they'll likely do quite well but if they're not going to commit it might be a tough road for them I guess it's similar to training really because that's one thing we find and I'll tell all of my personal training clients, the fastest way for you to get out of this routine is to suffer an injury. Mm-hmm. Because now your workouts need to be modified or potentially even stopped. Yeah. And I find people's nervousness coming back to be a barrier as well. Yeah, sometimes you need to be scared. Yeah. Like that'll drive you to trying to work on something. And then sometimes, you know, say you hurt a shoulder and you're like, well, you know what, my hip's been stiff for the last while and then it forces them to work on that and then they're like oh geez that was really worth it and then they kind of have that buy-in of saying like oh that was really worthwhile of my time and Mm. you know while my while I worked on my shoulder now my hip feels better when I do return to sport but sometimes it also opens you up to taking you out of your comfort level for exercise it might force you to do something that you're not used to doing like movement wise like new movements new ex new exercises new activities yeah you'd see a lot of different reactions probably or not reactions but different can you tell within the first couple of times that someone comes to see you whether they're going to be successful or they're not like personally successful or like physically successful physically successful like you you see the injury that they have and you know you probably have a time frame or loose time frame that they might be able to get back. Depends on the injury. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're coming in post-surgical and you can tell what their mentality is right away, then you usually know, like, okay, this person's, like, ready to work. They're set up for success. They're going to, you know, they're going to do well. But then sometimes you get in this stuff. People come in and, you know, sometimes the first question you want to ask them is, like, why today? Like, this has been bothering you for 10 years. So, like, why did you pick me and why are you here today? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you, if you do ask that question, you find out, like, yeah, this is going to work or this isn't going to work. Because there's just too many things to sift through before you're going to actually get to. Because sometimes the problem isn't a sore hip. It's, you know, something upstairs that they need to work on first. And 
you know, you get to know people too, because we spend a lot of time with them. We might spend a lot more time than say their doctor or their pharmacist or, you know, same as you guys, like they're up with me for like an hour and that yeah. could be once a week or twice a week or every couple of weeks, but people will open up to you. So you get to know them a, a little bit more, but usually you can tell, but sometimes people surprise you mm-hmm. either way. Sometimes people just don't commit. They come one, two, three times and they don't see any progress. So they're just like, their commitment level's not there and they bail. Mm-hmm. Either they didn't get along with your style or, you know, they're trying something different or they realize like, I'm not ready to work on this sore shoulder right now. And they wait until they're mentally prepared to do that again. Or unfortunately, sometimes they just work around it, which results in them being inactive. And you guys see that too. Yeah. How important do you think it is to get a, a full idea or get to know the person as opposed to just, Huge. you know, their physicality? Like a rapport is the biggest thing because you need that person to trust you because sometimes you're asking them not to do something at the gym or at work or in life or you're telling them to do something. So I think like if you can build a rapport over those first few sessions, then everything's smoother. They'll come in and then they'll go get right to work. Like it's ideal when you come in and they're like, Hey Robert, how are you today? I'm like, good. How are you? And then they're like down on the mat working. They don't even like, they know they're like, I'm going to work warm up. Like, and then we'll talk about things. And I think like trust and rapport are huge. Yeah. No question. Yeah. That's great. That's a good way to, you want to start with building the rapport yeah. and building the trust. And then as you build the rapport and the trust, then, you know, when you ask them to do different things, they're more likely to listen because what you told them to do before worked. So yeah. they're going to continue to listen to you. It's no different than at the gym. Yeah. Someone was telling you to do all these crazy movements at the gym and they're not doing anything. They're probably not going to continue to follow your program. Yeah, good point. Um, that's it for me. That was great. Someone must have the studio booked after us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're getting it's, not our, it's not our next guest, I don't think. No, I don't think so. You guys aren't doing back-to-backs? No. That would be very time efficient. It would be much more time efficient. Imagine if you could do like three guests back-to-back. Well, that's, that's for another day. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That's that great. Time. Yeah. Um, I think some people... People who have visited your clinic are probably familiar with you, but I think a lot of people aren't. Um, you know, they probably know the name and they know about Symmetrics, but um, a good good conversation to who you are and kind of what makes you tick as well. So obviously, thanks. Um, yeah, thank I'll you. See you at 7.30 for your workout. I'll be squeezing in the door. Yeah. Uploaded. It is. I saw it. It's a tough one. Oh, it's yeah. a doozy. Running um, back to patients and then running from patients to the gym. And so. then we'll we'll blare pinball wizard. Blare it. Blares. I gotta find it on Sonos, but. Any shoutouts before we go? Uh, uh, I don't. think Our so. crew out in uh, Whistler. Morgan. Morgan Gamble and, and company. I shout out Darren in Ottawa as well. Um, Former roommate. <clears throat> Kyle Robertson. Kyle. Leaving. Buddy Frizzle, Toronto. Christian Frizzle. Yeah, and shout out uh, Kyle. Kyle's leaving. Nationwide. Today or tomorrow? Uh, he told me. He's leaving soon. Yeah. This week. So Growing the podcast in Scotland. And he left us with a gift. Yes. <laughs>
Sure plays a mean pinball. 